Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we hope these podcast conversations will leave you with a better understanding of grief and how to show up for yourself and those you care about. Today's guest is Heather Dorfman. Welcome, Heather. Thanks. Hi. Heather is the Family Services Coordinator here at the Dougie Center, and she leads a number of groups for kids and teens and is also the first point of contact for many of the families seeking our services. And I invited Heather to come be a guest on our podcast, and we weren't sure what we were going to talk about. Now we think we know what we're going to talk yeah, about. I think so. <laughs> what was the title we went back and forth about? Uh, something about what helps, but with a big asterisk. Big asterisk. Sure. Yeah. So prepare yourselves for 25 minutes of caveats about what helps when you're grieving and what may or may not be actually helpful for you. What we're really talking about are things that people can do to help themselves mm-hmm. and to help their kids, or maybe if you're in a support role, things you can suggest to people that would be helpful outside of the realm of more formal support kind of like what you could do at home or in Mm -hmm. your car. Yeah, and absolutely for many people, some of that more formal support, whether it is a support group or working with a therapist, can be incredibly helpful. And also people say that there are those things, uh, or they want to know, what can I do when I'm at home? What are things that I can do that are maybe really low cost or pretty easily accessible? For folks that are listening, we do want to make sure to just note that if there are any big concerns that are coming up around your own safety your own um, mental or emotional health or that of your kids or if you're again if you're a support person if you're really kind of concerned about what's happening for the people close to you then we would suggest that you contact a more formal support system so perhaps a therapist or counselor if there's something that's feeling like a really urgent need perhaps contacting a local crisis line and I'll link in our show notes to to our searchable database where we try to keep as updated information as possible about grief support programs around the country and even the world. So if you're listening in Wisconsin or Maine and you'd really like to see if there's a support group in your community, those are great points of contact to help you find a local counselor or therapist Mm -hmm. maybe who specializes in working with grief. So what other things should we be thinking about when we think about help for self? Yeah, things that are helpful are very individual, just as grief is very individual, and are often very much informed by the culture we grew up in or that we're currently part of, our identities. So some of these things that we're suggesting today may feel really helpful to you. Others might feel absolutely not helpful to you. And we also recognize that some folks may have more access to the ability to engage in some of these activities than others do. Finances, Um, time, energy, access. Yeah. If that's true for you or if that's true for the people that you're supporting, it might be helpful to consider whether any of these options or others that you're able to come up with 
with might be able to feel more accessible. Another way to maybe to think about that is realize that you can be as creative as you need to be with a lot of these suggestions Mm -hmm. and it's not that you don't have to implement them exactly as said. Absolutely just ideas to consider and these come from what we hear from our grieving families and kids. Hopefully this could be um, a springboard for you to come up with other ideas that are helpful. And the thing I hear a lot from from the volunteers, from families, from kids, even, you know, even the youngest kids is oftentimes before somebody in their life dies, they had certain things they did Mm -hmm. that helped them feel connected to themselves and to their friends and inspired by life. And those things don't work anymore Mm -hmm. after the person dies, Mm -hmm. which can be really unsettling and ungrounding of like my go-to coping strategies just are not having the same effect that they used to. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, oh yeah, that's why, you know, I used to be a really artistic, creative Mm -hmm. person and I cannot pick up a glue gun since Mm -hmm. this person has died. And maybe you find yourself doing some completely opposite yeah and there can be really uh that there can be that piece that comes up that it just your interests are really different or just your capacities are really different there can also be real logistical and pragmatic issues like if you are suddenly a single parent when you had a partner before it can be tough to find the time to go out and do your you know three mile run that you were used to doing every morning So we're going to offer a lot of different possibilities that were not activities you'd engaged in before. And another reason to offer so many like full spectrum ideas of how we do things is because that's kind of what grief Mm -hmm. can be like, right? Let's talk a little bit about grief and all the different ways it can affect people. I think for many folks, many of us, um, you know, maybe before we've had a significant loss, we might think of grief as just an emotional response. And is that really it's holistic? Yes, it, it can definitely involve our emotions. So maybe we experience sadness or anger or even relief, but it also involves all other parts and dimensions of our lives. So it affects our body, it can affect our mind and our ability to to think and plan and reason. It can affect kind of what some people think of as spirit or heart, and it can affect our community and our relationships. And sometimes that can be almost the most shocking part of grief, it Mm -hmm. seems like, for people of like, okay, I expected I was going to be sad Mm -hmm. and maybe a little angry and maybe confused, Mm -hmm. but I certainly wasn't expecting to have a headache every day for seven days or for my kid's stomach to hurt every day Mm -hmm. he goes to school. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of folks are surprised by that. So we will dive into talking about some of the things that people have found to be helpful for them in each of those kind of facets of their life. The people that we work with here at the Dougie Center tell us that there's a lot of physical reactions when they're grieving. So it might look like, as you mentioned, tummy upsets for both adults and kids, um, headaches, trouble sleeping, a a tough time sitting in our seat either at school or work, um, feeling a lot of sort of agitation inside. So a lot of people have noticed that Um, incorporating movement into their lives in different ways can be really helpful. Almost like that tired but wired Mm -hmm. thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're like exhausted Mm -hmm. all day long. You're like drag yourself through the day and Mm -hmm. then at night you're like up and wired Mm -hmm. so you're not sleeping very well. Maybe you're not eating very well Mm -hmm. and then you can be restless but exhausted all at the same time. So ways that you can maybe work with that wiredness and even the tiredness. I think about Kiddo who was in one of my groups. By the end of every group he looked like he had stepped out of a shower. He would play (laughs) so hard and after one of uh, one of our groups he turned to one of the volunteers and he said I just love when I feel this way Um, and that makes me think about how using our bodies and having that big physical energy and having an outlet for that energy can be so helpful a lot of kids and adults when they're talking about grief and loss or just even feeling it um, having the the ability to get to wiggle their bodies around is really helpful 
So remembering that that might be a need for, for you, for the person you're supporting, or for the children you're supporting, to have a little more space to be wiggly. I think this is why people find a trail of uh, mangled paper clips anywhere I've been mm. at the Dougie Center. Of like, I'm not even aware that I'm needing to move my body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have our soft talk sticks mm-hmm. in our group, and you see kids just, like, Wrenching twisting those and things and bending them in half. And yeah. so I just think about having having things on hands on on hand mm-hmm. on hand for kids to do with their hands and yes. for adults too yes. if you're sitting through a long meeting mm-hmm. take something with you that isn't going to make a bunch of noise and mm-hmm. drive everyone a little wild with that but to have something that you can fidget with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah those fidget toys squeeze balls all of those things can be really helpful especially if you are in a place where you have to be sitting for a while some other ideas are to be able to walk or or roll to your nearby coffee shop or grocery store or park even do big circles around a room if you have to be inside dancing for some folks feels helpful and you can do that either you know with a group or in your own home i'm thinking too if you're in your house you know it's hard to get outside or the weather's not cooperating Mm -hmm. you're setting up like a little obstacle course Mm -hmm. for kids in particular like this is the pillow we jump over this is the block that we have to walk around Mm -hmm. something that can engage their minds and their bodies at the same time and that's one of the things that we'll talk about throughout is that many of these things support various dimensions at the same time of our lives and so finding those things that can help give us something to do with our minds and our bodies at the same time can be really helpful. Um, There's other ideas like doing yoga. Um, Again, you can do that with other folks or in your own home. There are free videos on YouTube that um, offer yoga instruction if that's not something you're familiar with or if you don't have the ability to go to yoga studio. For a lot of people, as as you mentioned, a common reaction to grief and loss can be stomach upsets and also sleep upset. It can be helpful to just sort of pay attention to are there certain foods that seem like they upset my stomach more? Are there certain uh, times of day that I eat that it seems like, oh, okay, that helps settle my stomach? You know, for a lot of people, comfort food is really important to them in their grieving. And so just noticing, okay, are those foods that feel really comforting, are they also sitting okay with my stomach? Or do I need to pull back a little bit on some of those comfort foods? For other people, finding the energy to prepare and eat a meal is often really lacking. So figuring out if there are ways that you can make sure to get at least some food throughout the day, even if that means setting a reminder on your phone to have a snack or to make sure that your child has a snack. And for people out there who are, you know, in the support role, and oftentimes there can be that first rush right after mm-hmm. someone dies and all this food shows up, but food. nobody can eat at that point no. and nobody knows what to do with the food. And so thinking about maybe a little longer term plan mm-hmm. for that over the course of the first six months mm-hmm. of once a week, somebody brings over food that is healthy and maybe took some time to prepare that the person who's grieving just doesn't have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. And thinking about do people want deliveries at their home? Do they want a once a month chance to go out and eat? You know, oftentimes people will not want to necessarily be out in public, especially when they're pretty newly grieving. But other people say just getting some, having someone get me out of the house and go have a meal where I don't have to worry about even the dishes or heating up the thing. Right. Or remembering whose container this is and get it back to them. And in thinking about sleeping, same sort of just the invitation to pay attention to what seems to help. So if you're noticing you're having a tough time going to sleep, 
Are there routines that you can build in that are helpful in sleeping? If you're waking up in the middle of the night, does it help to get up and out of bed and go read quietly or do something else quietly? Or does it help you to just sort of stay in bed and rest until hopefully you can go back to sleep? Those are some of those just, okay, this is something that does often happen for people. I'm going to notice what seems helpful for me. Paying attention to that, building that kind of awareness for yourself. Right. And, you know, sometimes when we talk about physical ways to take care of ourselves, we think about those big exercise or running or rolling or doing yoga. But other physical things that we can do are even things like knitting. Again, do something with our hands. Often it means engaging our mind a little bit. If it's a really simple way of knitting, sometimes it can just be not having to use our minds too much. I think about one of the parents in one of our groups who every single time she comes to the Dougie Center, she's knitting something new. And so those kind of quiet but still a little bit of movement activities can be helpful. And being able to do those physical things requires being able to think about doing those Mm -hmm. physical things. planning them. Let's talk a little bit about how our cognitive, our Mm -hmm. mind, our thought process can get Mm -hmm. altered and what are some of the things people find helpful. Definitely our our thoughts, our our ability to plan and think through, okay, what am I going to do today and what's helpful? That can get kind of fuzzy when we're grieving. Often we notice that our ability to concentrate becomes challenging. Our ability, again, to plan or to reason or to think through, even make simple decisions can be pretty challenging. So when we're thinking about ways to kind of support our cognitive abilities, activities that allow us to focus a little bit and slow things down can be really helpful. I have a kiddo in one of my groups who he has said what's really helpful for him is calculating. Like just sitting down and calculating a long string of numbers. So that's helpful for him. That <laughs> math teacher's be, dream come right, true. <laughs> exactly. That may not be helpful for everybody, but for some people, if it feels like everything is vague, everything is gray right now, I want a little black and white. Maybe sitting down and doing something very concrete where you can see a, it looked like this before, now it looks like this. Or learning and sharing facts. Um, This can be a tough time to learn new things, but if there is something that can kind of grab your attention and focus a little bit, that might be the place that you can put a little energy into learning new things and then sharing that perhaps with other people. And especially with kids, it's, I think, about being able to learn something, some of the new fact, you know, like Mm -hmm. the state's flower and animal Mm -hmm. and bird or something like that. Mm -hmm. It gives your mind something to focus on, something different, and then also building a sense of competence. Mm -hmm. So often people don't feel competent when they're in grief. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't do my life the way I used to. I'm probably not grieving the right way. Mm -hmm. So much of that going on. So having something really tangible that you can do and say, I did that, and then Mm -hmm. celebrate it. Like, oh, the bathroom is clean. Like, Mm -hmm. that is a huge success for the day, and it's a very tangible, like, transformation. Absolutely. Building that sense of competence and a sense of control, because for so many of us when we're grieving, we feel that don't have a lot of control. And so having those ways for us or for kids or for the people we're supporting to feel that little sense of like, all right, I didn't do anything else today, but I got that bathroom clean and I was in charge of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or for a kid, I have so many children who come in and want to tell me all about Wales or Paris or whatever the thing is. And so being able to, as you said, feel a sense of success and control over something. Mm -hmm. Also in this sort of realm, you know, there are a lot of books out there, a lot of blogs and a lot of websites that deal with grief. Again, just an invitation to explore those. Some of them may really resonate with you and you can feel like, oh my gosh, yes, this person is speaking to my experience. Others might feel absolutely far off track and not at all true to your experience. And if that's the case, 
you can just sort of let those go and then maybe try out another one. Don't beat yourself up if you're not grieving no. the way the person on the blog is. Exactly. Okay. Just because they have a blog doesn't mean they're a grief <laughs> expert. You're the expert in your own grief. So some other tips around what we do with this brain that maybe isn't behaving in the way we're used to. Reading in general, aside from grief books, meditating, doing crosswords, debating with others. I've heard sometimes Ooh, people that's like my favorite one. <laughs> For some people, it's watching a favorite show or listening to a favorite podcast. And a lot of people appreciate that chance to kind of take a break from their own mind and their own thoughts. People, Some people have said, though, that it can be challenging sometimes when the TV does finally turn off or you know you finally turn off that screen, that then the thoughts can come back even stronger than before. If that's happening for you, maybe making a plan for, okay, when I finally turn off that TV, what do I need to then be able to wind down and not feel overwhelmed by that. Maybe I need to build in some like metabolizing time of Mm -hmm. what I just watched and now there's going to be this you know new torrent of thoughts Mm -hmm. and so I better give myself 30 minutes to kind of let those come in and out Mm -hmm. before I try to go to bed. Right exactly. So we've talked about body, we've talked about mind, thinking about spiritual and or sort of more emotional and or community social supports because that is so important for so many of us and definitely something that can really be affected when we're grieving. For many people making sure that they spend time in setting that supports them in that either kind of spiritual or emotional way, often that can be really connected to community and community can be defined in all kinds of ways. So some people say, you know, making sure that at least once every other week they have a chance to go be out in the trees, that that's crucial to them. Other people say, making sure I get to my church or mosque or temple, that's crucial. But it might be, you know, other places out in nature or being at a racetrack or again, being at a support group that that is the sort of touchstone and the place where you're able to have those nurturing social experiences. Whether that that's to focus on your grief mm-hmm. or to focus not focusing on your grief, mm-hmm. either way, but mm-hmm. to have something you can, your body and your mind knows is coming and is mm-hmm. scheduled as a either this is where I'm going to connect with my feelings or this is where I'm going to like have some other feelings. Right, right. And also to not, um, again, feel like you're doing it wrong if some of those things that did feel so supportive in the past, like being at your mosque or church or temple, if you need a little bit of a break here and there, or if your attendance isn't as regular, sometimes you need a little more quiet time or solitude. I think about a girl in one of my groups who she was usually one of those very active kids who just did big physical play the whole time she was here. And one night she wanted to go into the music room and there was nobody else in the room. And she went in there with her favorite volunteer and she just wanted to sit quietly. She didn't want to talk or play music. But on that particular night, having some space to be quiet with a person that was really supportive felt really helpful. So again, meditation for some people is helpful. And that can be as simple as just sitting Mm -hmm. still and, or not sitting still, Mm -hmm. and just tracking your breath. Mm -hmm. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. It doesn't have to be very fancy, complicated meditating. Absolutely. It can be very simple. It can also be done while you're walking, gardening, having that moment of quiet can feel really supportive. At other times it can feel really overwhelming as thoughts and feelings really come in. It can sometimes be helpful to practice with just sort of being with those emotions. At other times giving yourself a break and, and realizing that this may not be a time where this is helpful for me right now. Sometimes families find and, 
and people find that any kind of ceremony or ritual can be helpful. Again, that can give us some sense of control and structure and the marking of important experiences or dates. So having something to sort of expect and know, okay, this is what we're doing and why. And this could be a big ritual Mm -hmm. around maybe the anniversary of the person's death. Mm -hmm. And as a family, you come up with something that you're going to do this year or maybe every year. Mm -hmm. But it could also be just those daily little rituals Mm -hmm. that you have kids. Like maybe they sit in a particular place when they have breakfast Mm -hmm. or they always put their book bag someplace when they come home from school. And again, you know, in thinking about things that cross over various dimensions, making art, making music, uh, doing that creative expression can be really helpful and a chance to be sort of physical, to maybe engage our minds a little bit and to be creative. And you don't have to be good at it. No, exactly. (laughs) So that's why a lot of people have come to love those color adult coloring books or kids coloring books, you know, things that you can feel like it's, it's fairly simple and I can feel like I can succeed in this and not then feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible artist on top of everything else. So making it as easy for yourself as you can. Although it can still be intimidating to pick out the right colors. Absolutely. Those adult coloring books can even be intimidating. And then humor. Humor comes up a lot. Um, Sometimes it looks like dark or silly humor for both kids and adults. So sometimes people feel like, wow, I'm not supposed to be laughing or making jokes at this time. It's disrespectful or I'm not honoring the person or my grief. Yeah. And it actually may be something that's really helpful for you or for your kids. So some people find that cooking for themselves or others is helpful. And again, other folks feel like, oh my gosh, that's the last thing I have the capacity for. And and other people talk about volunteering, sometimes having that chance to get out of our own story and support other people who might be in need. And families especially who volunteer doing something that was close to the heart of the person who died, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like becoming a volunteer at the animal shelter for someone who loved their animals or helping out with the Little League Mm -hmm. team. Things like that can be a way to connect to the memory of the person who died. So that was a lot of things that we just went over. And if you are listening and you're like, I can't remember (laughs) because my concentration has been affected by grief, Mm -hmm. I will list these out in the show notes. So we will have something you can refer to. Let's just talk quickly about asking for help Mm -hmm. because sometimes these are things we can do on our own, but we need help from Mm -hmm. people. And for many, many people, it is really hard to ask for or receive help that's offered, especially for those that are used to taking care of others. If you can, if it feels supportive, allowing that help from people who care. And if it's helpful to just think about how when we receive help from others, that can often be such a gift to them. So if it helps you to think about, okay, I'm actually giving to my friend or family. (laughs) By letting them help me. By letting them help me. Whatever it takes to give you some help through all of this, because it's a lot. It's a lot to try to manage both, you know, just how do I get through this day, much less how do I build in some time to take care of myself. If you're a support person, it can be really helpful to offer specific suggestions. So rather than saying, just let me know, give me a call if you need anything, or send me a text if I can help in any way. For many of us when we're grieving, it can be really tough to come up with even, I I don't even know what I need. So saying things like, hey, I'm going to swing by the grocery store. I'm going to grab some groceries and I'll bring them by and I can even just drop them on your porch. I'll text you when I've dropped them off. Or, hey, I know the dog goes to daycare on Tuesdays. I'm, I'm happy to pick up the dog and take them in. So really specific offers of help. And again, a last suggestion or reminder that if you come up with some things that you have figured out, okay, actually this does help, and especially if I make sure to do it every day, 
writing yourself a note or putting that in your calendar as a reminder to come up every day to go do that thing. I'm also picturing like as a family or, you know, you live by yourself or you live with other people, putting a big piece of paper up somewhere in the house where everyone gets to write down the things that they find to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a suggestion board. Mm -hmm. So maybe your kid's having a really rough time and they can't think of anything that would be helpful in that moment. And you're like, let's walk over and check out the board. Can you point at all the things that you wrote down? And mm-hmm. I'll read them out loud, see if any of those feel good to you. And then as an adult, you can go do that for yourself. Yep. If you're having your own in- like internal temper tantrum of mm-hmm. everything feels bad and I don't want to do any of this stuff, right. <laughs> that could be okay. Or you might walk yourself over to the board and be like, okay, fine. I could chop some celery today. That's yes. what I'm going to do. Yeah, I can do this one thing. And finally, you know, just think, about that again we're grieving within a larger social and cultural context so that's going to affect both our grief and and the things we can engage in that are supportive and our access to those supportive things as someone who works in bereavement I think a lot about what can our community do to support people who are grieving and we talk a lot about the power of stories here and sharing stories just thinking about as a grieving person you know sharing your experience where it feels safe and comfortable as a support person, doing what you can to make sure that the people you care for are able to engage in these activities that they find to be helpful for them. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours about (laughs) ideas of things that people have found to be helpful. And if you have things that you've come across that have worked really well for you, we would love to hear about those. So reach out to us. You can email us at help at Dougie.org. If you try something on our list and you're like, that was terrible, then you should let us know that too, because we might take it off the list. We'll probably leave it on because somebody else might find it to be helpful, but it's, it seems like the most important piece is figuring out what works for you mm-hmm. and being patient with yourself and recognizing it might not always be the easiest thing to figure out what works for you and also realize that that can change over time mm-hmm. and it's okay to update your version of who you are in the world and what is supportive for you and give yourself as much permission to do that as possible there'll be a few other things in our show notes for this episode if you are interested in any of our past episodes we think we're at episode 38 so mm-hmm. there's quite a few in the um, in the library there if you'd like to listen to past episodes you can find them at dougy.org or you can also find us in iTunes and if you do that, if you find us in iTunes we'd love if you gave us a review and a rating, it really helps other people who are grieving find our podcast and if you have any other tips or suggestions for content, for episodes, questions and ideas you'd like us to talk about you can also email those to us at help at thanks for tuning in and join us again next time Thanks for listening.